0: Tonight, Chronicles of the Kings, uh, part of our Sunday night prayer series, tonight is talking about the two prophets. Ultimately, it is the failure to follow through. What does the Bible say about the failure to follow through? We're going to talk about doing God's will in the darkest days that are ahead, and how we finish well as saints of God. I don't know about you, but I want to finish well, amen? Amen. It's, all, it's good to start well, but it's more important to finish well. Amen? First Kings chapter 13. Let me give you the setting here. Israel is the post days after Solomon. Solomon has passed on, and his kingdom has passed to Rehoboam. And Rehoboam was kind of a unruly, prideful, arrogant dude. And Rehoboam had turned the people away from the kingdom of God in the line of David. And ten tribes had joined the servant of Solomon, who had attempted a rebellion earlier in Solomon's life, and his name is Jeroboam. So it's gets confusing. Rehoboam, Solomon's son, received the kingdom from his father. Jeroboam jerked it out, right? Think of it that way. Jeroboam takes ten tribes, goes to the north, and that is called Israel now. And when you read the Old Testament after this point, when it says Israel, it's talking about the ten northern tribes, right? So don't get confused. The southern kingdom is Judah and Benjamin, and that southern kingdom is now called Judah. we got the divided kingdom. To the north is Israel. To the south is Judah and Benjamin. Ten tribes in the north, two tribes in the south. The north is Jeroboam, and the south is Rehoboam. Okay, so a little Bible history. And this is the setting of the day. There had been war between these two kingdoms, and Jeroboam... While the Lord had had a hand in giving Jeroboam the kingdom because of Solomon's sin, Jeroboam's pride and his fear of losing power had called him to turn to pagan ideals. He created his own religion. He instituted the, his own high priest. He rewrote the, the festivals of God, and he kicked out all the Levites of the country and picked his own priest, and he began making sacrifices himself, to God. Not only that, but he made two graven images, two uh, golden calves and set them up in two towns. That this is the day we live in war, pagan ideology in the house of God. People have fallen to false religions and it's a dark day and the country is divided. Does that sound like any time that we've ever lived in before? Okay, here we are in dark days. Now, let's let's Kind of read a little interesting story. I'm just going to kind of read this story. We're going to read the whole passage and I'm going to kind of tell it to you. But so here we find the dark days of the divided kingdom. Now, 1 Kings chapter 13, this is a random uh, chapter just kind of thrown in here about two unknown guys uh, that, that God wanted to speak to us today. 1 Kings chapter 13. So now behold, there was a man of God from Judah to Bethel. So he's from the southern kingdom going to Bethel, which is where one of the golden calves is, okay, in some of the altars, by the word of the Lord, while Jeroboam was standing at the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, O altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and human bones will be burned on you. And then he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes which are on it shall be poured out. Man, this guy is just bringing it now. He's just walked across the border, preached against the altar, and the king is standing right there. And so when the king heard the saying of this guy, the man of God, he cri- when she cried against the altar in Bethel, Jeroboam the king stretched out his hands from the altar and says, Seize him. And the hand which he stretched out against him dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. Would that be freaky? Then the altar was split apart, and the ashes were poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I might listen to the guy after that. Some crazy guy shows up at your church service. You're not having real church, but fake church. Show up at your church service, preaches the word of God, and they say, arrest that guy, and his hand seizes, and the altar all of a sudden breaks, and things fall off. That's a crazy day, right? And so... The king said to the man of God, please entreat the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and it became as it was before. Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me, refresh yourself, I'll give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go with you nor eat eat your bread or drink your water in this place for it was commanded by me of the word of the Lord saying, eat no bread, drink no water, return Uh, and do not return by the way which you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Whew, man, that's a crazy day, right? And I wouldn't take a dime off of your table to do nothing with you, right? God said for me to come here, say this thing, and get my butt home, right? And so (laughs) that's how Blanket, you know, it's pretty blunt. He's like, I'm not going to eat your bread, I'm not going to eat your water, I'm not going to take a dime from you, and I'm going home. What about doing God's will in these last days? Think about this. Because think about the boldness that it took for this. I think about the people. Think about this. I think about the people in communist Russia, in Nazi Germany, in communist China, who have stood against city officials, who have had house churches in places, who have smuggled in Bibles uh, against soldiers at the borders. And in the boldness of God did not back down in some of the darkest days of human history. And they said, I don't care what you say to me. And they lost their homes, many of them lost their families, and many of them lost their lives. In some of the darkest days in human history, God has always had a remnant who was ready to say, thus saith the Lord, I don't care what man says. God is on my side, and even if it costs me my life, I'm going to preach the gospel. Amen? This this guy had that. I'm going to give you ten things tonight. If you're writing things, just ten little things that I can pull out from this story. The first five are about doing God's will in the last days, okay? The first five. Number one, he heard God. Number one, that's the first thing. He heard God. No doubt this guy had a relationship with God because in some of the darkest days when all the people were pagans and falling away from God, something was in this guy's life that he heard the voice of God and he not just heard God's voice, he heard it clearly because he spoke a prophecy of Josiah which would not be born for 300 plus more years. Let me tell you, that's a specific prophecy. I don't got just a date. I got a name of a kid who's going to be born 300 years from now. Who's going to confirm that? Right? Nobody can fact check you. But this is the Lord's This is what I heard God say. And so number one, he heard God. So that's a challenge for you and I today. In the darkest days of history, have a prayer life. Now just have a prayer life. Have a prayer life where you hear God's voice. Because in the darkest days of human history, let me tell you, that are coming it's going to be very hard to hear God's voice. It's going to take specific people who have a very strong war room, a prayer closet, and they say, God specifically told me and I know his voice. Number one, he heard God. Number two, he obeyed God. He obeyed God. He left his home to cross international borders in a time of war when this nation was sending out all the people of God from it. That's what I see. That he was willing to say, I believe in the word of God, so I heard it. But I don't just heard it, I obeyed it. And God told me to go into a war torn country to cross the border. I mean, there's some borders we, you know, we're working on our border issues now in America. But there's some borders back in the day when you were trying to cross the Berlin Wall, you'd get shot. Right? And you try to smuggle Bibles into communist Russia, you'd get hung or worse. Right? And this guy who they're sending the the, the believers out, he marches right back into the enemy's territory. And not only that, Number three, he took a risk. He took a leap of faith. So not only do we have to hear the word of the, of the Lord, we have to obey it, which three leads us to what if it is a risk-taking obedience? It was What if it's a leap of faith? So he risked his life to tell the word of God. Not only that, but he went right... You've got you to gotta understand the boldness of this guy. He didn't just go to the border guards. He didn't just go to somebody's house. He went straight up into the king's face now. I mean, he probably thought, I may not return. That's a possibility. But you know, what was in there was faith, because God had already said, return a different way. You know, sometimes we can kind of believe God and in his word and say, "Okay, God, you know, this is how far I believe you. But what if, what if, what if, what if this guy? God, if I live or die, blessed be the name of the Lord, I'm going into enemy's territory, going to walk right up to that king, tell him he's going to hell, right? You're disobeying God, this is what's going to happen. And God said, but you know what? Return a different way. So at least there's that, God, right? At least maybe, maybe I'll live. And so he goes. He took a leap of faith. Our question for today is, are we willing to listen and speak in this day, even if it's unpopular, even if it's not cool to talk about Jesus at work or in the, work, in the school or the workplace or with your family. Even if nobody wants to listen. Turn off that Christian music. I want to listen to our music. We want to watch these movies in our house or when I'm over at this. But when I'm there, what do they watch or what do they listen to? Are, is there this understanding that uh, Jesus is at the center of our life? And, God, I'm in my prayer closet. I'm willing to listen. And I'm just willing to listen. God, to take it to the next level. I'm willing to speak it out. I'm unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because what does the Bible say? It's the power unto salvation, right? It, it's not just something we keep hidden, but it's power to change things. And then lastly, he, he said, even if it's unpopular, God, I'm taking a risk. I'm going right into enemy territory. I don't care what happens. I'm going. Man, we need some faith like that, all right? So he... Heard God, obeyed God. Number three, took a risk. Number four, he fasted. God comes up to him and says, you're not to participate in anything unholy. Don't eat anything while you're there. Don't drink anything while you're there. Don't do anything you're doing and come back a different way. You know, it was was about a 10 to 12 mile walk to there. So if you think about it, it's like a four hour walk there and a four hour walk back. So it's not horrible, right? Uh, But 10 to 12 miles. And they walked everywhere. So he's probably a fit guy. But it's an all-day thing. There's no water in the middle of the Middle East all day, right? Think about that. So it's not just the worst check, but chances are I'm going to be a little thirsty by the time I get there. They don't McDonald's on the side of the road, right? I've got to stop. Uh, and so he took a risk, but he fasted. It was a fast that God was calling him. while you're on this mission, I want you to fast. You know, our Christian life should be a lifelong fast. It's not talking about eating and drinking. But God has called us to, what does he say, be separate, come out from among them, be separate. It's not a physical thing. But spiritually, what God was teaching him, I think, in this moment was, you are to not participate in anything of them. They are not to be your supply. When you're weak and when you're weary today, Christian, and it's the dark, dying days of the world, nothing of man is to be our supply. We're on mission 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and there's nothing of this world that is to feed me and keep me going. Think, well, I feel like giving up, or I don't, I don't have it what it takes, or I'm going through this trust, uh, this t- uh, test or trial. God, I'm feeling weak, I'm feeling weary. We're not looking to the pleasures of man to get me. You know, what I mean, they say the vacations even today. I think we should all take one. But even vacations, that Americans are coming back more tired after vacation than they were to begin with. It. We are inundated with cell phones and Facebook and social media and all the things that man thinks are helpful. Have you ever noticed that the more washing machines and microwaves and all these things we have, we still have no more time? Actually, we have less time, it seems, with our family and friends than anybody did ever before humanity. Uh, we're just so busy so fast, and so man is weary and weary, and he's saying, be fasted. Live a separate and a holy life. It's not just about being different. Get this. It's about how you return. It's about how you return. God said, not only don't participate in anything they do, don't let them be your sustenance while you're on this mission. But when you come, come back a different way. I think about Peter, or sorry, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says, if another believer is overcome by some sin... If you're godly, you should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. But here's the thing. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. In a sense, don't get sick helping the sick. If you're going to go on this mission, make sure you come back different. Come back changed. I think about it. Anything that he was doing, I don't want you to go there and have any of that stuff brought back with you. I don't want them to feel like they've helped you in any way. I don't want you to rely on them for sustenance. Rely on me. But the same way, when you come back, I think you should come back different. Sometimes when we go through a fast or we go through a season with God, the intention is that we don't come back the same way. We always throw that out there when we say, "We well, come to church, leave different, right? Don't come to church the same way you came, leave different. That's the same thing in the Christian life. As we trust in God, God, I have a faith moment in my life. I'm taking a risk. God's intention is that if He puts you on that journey, it's that you come back different. Come back with a greater faith testimony, what God can do. Come back with some people who've been saved. Come back at a different revelation from what God has given to you. So don't return like you went. Amen? Amen. Come back with a testimony. Come back with a testimony. Don't come back the same way you went in. Come back more powerful, more victorious, more full of faith. So he heard God, he obeyed God, he took a rest, he fasted. That fasted life. Number five, he went in love. You ultimately, man, he's telling this king, you're no good, and God's mad at you, and this is going to be destroyed. But it really wasn't what you think. Why, God could have wiped this king off the face of the earth instantaneously. But he didn't. He was warning this king because he loved this king, even though the king was evil. God loved him. And so he sent one of his men of God to cross enemy territory to risk his own very life like a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Sometimes there's casualties in war for a good cause. The war might have a, a good idea, a good ending. And, and that's a goal. And God is willing to send us his ambassadors. And he says, hey, because I love this person, would you go? We say, yes, Father, I'm a good soldier. I'll do that. God loved them. And even, even still, he didn't, he didn't just condemn him. But instead, when he warned him, he also healed him, and he, also, he prayed for him, and he gave him time to repent. So ultimately, he went out in love. You know, sometimes the message of the gospel is seen as a hate message. That's what the world is telling us today. But it's the biggest message of love there ever was. Yeah, some truth is going to stand in your face and cause a change. There is the truth of God's word. But it's ultimately a message of love. And it's for love that he went. And for us today, church, even when we're telling the truth of God's word, it is always given in love because God loves that person you're talking to. And you are an ambassador of his love. Paul says we have the ministry of reconciliation as if we were pleading with people to come back to God ourselves. And so he goes out in love. And here's the kicker. That's five things that we as Christians are supposed to be doing in these dark days and five things you need to do and I need to do to do God's will in these last days. But here's the awesome part. God always confirms His Word. Always confirms His Word. He didn't know that that... I mean, chances, God didn't mention anything about the guy's hand withering up. But God's hand is on His anointed. There are many testimonies about great men and women across the world where angels have showed up in visitation or miraculous provision has been occurred or miracles of things have happened because they went out in boldness. And sure, some of them lost their lives, but they ultimately won. And some of them risked many things and gave up many things, but those who step out on faith for God, He's going to have your back. And I think about... What uh, the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, that the disciples, they went out, preached everywhere. And while the world, uh, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by signs that followed. And even Jesus says these signs uh, will follow those who believe in my name. They're going to do some awesome things. You know, when we step out in faith, our job is just to preach the word. God's job is to confirm it. I don't go out with a signs, healing ministry. I'm not a, I, don't, I can't heal nobody. I can't raise any dead. My job is to preach the Word. It's up to God how He confirms it. Amen? And our job, and maybe the reason God is not confirming so many things, is maybe I'm not taking the risks to preach the Word of God in these dark days like He wants me to. Hmm. But God's power always confirms His Word. Our job is to hear it, obey it, take a risk, be fasted, and let God take it, uh, and go in love. And God's power will confirm it. So that's how you do God's will in the dark days from this passage. Let's go on to the story because it gets even better. First Kings chapter 13, verse 11. If you're with me, somebody say amen. amen. All right, now an old prophet living in Bethel and his sons came and told him all these things. So this old prophet, here's this, which the men of God had done that day in Bethel. And his words which he spoke to the king. And these also, they related to their father. So their father says to them, which way did he go? That's off of a Looney Tunes, right? Which way did he go? Which way did he go? Now his sons had seen the way which the man of God who came from Judah had gone. They said, his son, hey, saddle a donkey. Get the donkey. He rode away on it. So after the man of God, he went and he found him sitting under an oak tree. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, yes, I am. And they said to him, all right, come home with me and eat bread. Uh-oh. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go with you, nor eat bread, nor drink water from you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord, eat no bread, drink no water, don't go back the same way I came. But he says to him, but I also am a prophet like you. And an angel of God spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him, ate bread in his house, and drank water. Uh Uh-oh. Now, it came about, they were sitting down at the table. Now, just get the picture of this in your mind. He's sitting at the table, and the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who brought him back. So all of a sudden, they're eating. The Spirit of God comes over this lying old prophet and cries out through him to the man of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord and have not observed the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but have returned, eaten bread and drunk water in the place which he has said to you, Eat no bread drink no water, your body shall come to the grave, shall not come to the grave of your fathers. And it came about after he'd eaten and drank, and the guy saddled his donkey for him. He had gone, and a lion met him on the way and killed him. And his body was thrown on the road with the donkey standing beside it, and the lion was also standing beside the body. And men passed by and saw the body thrown on the road, the lion standing beside the body, and the donkey on the other side. And they came and told it to the city where the old prophet lived. Isn't that a weird story? Just kind of odd, honestly. It's one of those weird Old Testament stories. But we see some things in here. Let me give you five real quick things about finishing well. We have five things about hearing from God in dark days. Five things about finishing well. So number six he didn't follow through, right? He didn't follow through. We find him, number one, what was the problem? He was resting under an oak tree, and that allowed that time for the prophet to catch up with him. I think, for one, uh, it's kind of like this. Don't linger in sin's country. You got a four-hour trek, you get in, you do what God told you to do, and you get out. And sometimes... We rest in the wrong places. Sometimes we want to take a break. Sometimes I've talked to Christians that have asked me in ministry, I really feel like right now I need to take a break." And in fact, sometimes I say, no, this is the time you need to engage in more, because I think if you take a break right now, the devil's going to come in and entertain some things, because what is it? When David was uh, not at war, the Bible says, that's when Bathsheba incidents happen. It's sometimes in those dead times when we're alone with our thoughts and we take a break in an unfamiliar territory, when we're not in the Word of God, when we're not on mission, and we say, well, I, whew, I did that. I've served in Sunday school for 20 years. Now I'm going to take a break and do nothing. Uh-oh. What's going to happen? You're going to slack back. You're going to slack off. You're not going to keep the fervor. You're not going to keep the fire. The Bible says Jesus is coming soon. Paul never took a break. And I, I mean, he took his Sabbath days, but he didn't just say, you know what? I reached half of the world. I think I'm good. You know somebody else can do the other half. No, that's not the command. That's not the mission. So he took a break, and he didn't follow through. It's in those down times when trouble comes, our minds wander, stay in the word. So number six, he didn't follow through. Number seven, he was deceived. What's crazy is that to the evil king, he said, no, that's pretty obvious. I'm at a pagan altar. There's a pagan king. Nah, I think I'll pass. But then another guy comes, and a friendly face shows up, and he says, yes. You know what? Some of the most people I have problems with are not the pagans, it's the Christians sometimes, right? And here's this guy, and I think one of Satan's biggest tricks is to cause us to doubt the word of God. You know, remember, I think about Paul, he says, even if an angel preaches to you a different gospel than I've preached to you, he's to be a curse. Don't listen. Even if another angel comes, that's a pretty powerful statement, because there's one truth, all right? But here's the thing. Friendly does not mean faithful. There are a lot of friendly people in this world, but very few are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Friendly does not mean faithful. The old prophet, he seems like a good guy, but here's the problem. He lives in a pagan land. Here's the other problem. All the holy people had evacuated the pagan land. So when he says, I'm a prophet like you, that should have been a red flag right there. Number one, what are you doing in this country? Number two, how come God didn't tell you to go preach to that king, and he had to get me to come from my house and track in four hours to do it? That should have been a red flag right there. So clearly, this guy had not heard from God in some time, and in fact, he had compromised on his faith by remaining in a pagan land. So his life was all a mess. He was, and, and, and despite being old, he appeared to be a man of wisdom. So this younger prophet begins to trust him. Let me tell you something. Even if an older Christian comes to you and they tell you something, what are you supposed to do? The Bible says we are to judge every little W word according to the big W word, the Scripture of God. And if God has told me something, I'm pretty sure God can confirm that word in me again. And so this guy never did ask God, well, maybe, God, did you change your mind? Because I would have been like, well, God told me this if He told me that to begin with. I think he could tell me he changed his mind and wanted me to come eat with you. But you're telling me something contrary to the word I've already received from God. That's another red flag. So we don't take prophetic words from Christians who aren't faithful. A lot of good, nice, well-meaning, intended people might try to give you a word from God and say, Brother Brent, I think the Lord is just telling you today to... Hallelujah, you know, go do this or go do that. Sell me your car, whatever. You know, there's some crazy stuff out there. Give me your car. Yeah. Hallelujah. Preaching prosperity. Glory. But here's the question. Does their life demonstrate obedience? Are they faithful in their church? Do they serve the Lord? Do they give? of their finances. Because I'm not going to entertain any person that says, Pastor Heath, I just feel like I want to pray over you. I feel like I want to speak over you. if it's not a person who's faithful in another church, or faithful in our church, or another church, or doesn't have a good reputation, or I don't know how how faithful they are, I'm not going to receive it. Because I want to see fruitfulness, because the Bible says that a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And so we look in the Word and we say, uh, even Paul, like I said before, That In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that when someone speaks forth a word, even in our congregation, that it says the assembly is to judge every word against Scripture. Someone speaks out a word of knowledge or a tongue or interpretation. We all collectively are to judge that is that of God and does it line up with Scripture. And clearly this man faltered on that because he trusted a friendly face. Even this man had good intentions. He was not of God. So he was deceived. Number eight, he disobeyed the word. Obedience is everything because it's faithfulness. And the question is, are we hearers and doers? And if Jesus says, if we're faithful in little, we'll be faithful in much. I find so many, especially younger Christians, they get so excited to do missions or go on a field trip or whatever, volunteer at the soup kitchen or whatever, but they're not faithful to regular church attendance. Like we can do the big thing sometimes and, oh yeah, I want to support that outreach pastor, but I'll never see them again in church. Right. There's sometimes we can do the big things, but yet it's the little things, honestly, that will make all the difference in the follow through. It's great to go to Africa and go on a missions trip and see a bunch of people saved. But if you don't follow through on that, when you come home to live a godly Christian life and read your Bible and pray and study God's word and live faithfully obedient, then it's all for nothing. Because that's just uh, that's that flash and it's over. and It's a moment. But yet God is asking for faithfulness because we'll be measured on how we were faithful. He doesn't say at the end of the, the time when Jesus calls us home and he gets up there and there will be some that says, God, I did all these great things in your name and I cast out some demons i and spoken some tongues. But to them, he might say, I don't know you, but to other little bitty people, he'll say you were a faithful servant. We're judged on faithfulness. So he disobeyed the word. Number eight, number nine, he lost his holiness. He was no longer separate because he joined with him. You know, to fellowship with someone is to commune with them. God was jealous for his communion. Don't commune with any other person. Don't break bread with any other person. Remember, I am the bread of life. It's me. I'm the person you commune with. And why why was it? You say, well, God, it was just a lunch. Maybe they had a Lunchable, right? It was just some breakfast. It was just something very small. Sometimes we have watered down holiness so much, we don't take sin seriously anymore. Right? Oh, it's just a little thing. Oh, it's just a little movie. Oh, it's just a little cussing. Oh, it's just a little this. God said, you ate lunch with this man. Your life is owed me. Man, that's an expensive free lunch, isn't it? Paid it for his life. Why? Because of his reputation... He had already declared the Word of God to the entire country. And so now he is God's representative of the Holy Word of God. He has declared, this is what God says is right, this is what God said is wrong, and this is what God told me to do. And so, when, and this, so here we are, Christian, we're telling the world, this is what God says is right, this is what God says is wrong, here's what he told his church to do, to love one another, serve one another, bless one another, don't gossip, don't slander, don't backbite. Back, be united. But then we go over here and we disobey the word of God. What does that do to the things we've spoken since then? Well, that guy, he said he was going to cast down the altar. God wants to return to him. He said he was supposed to go home a different way. Couldn't eat or drink of anything in here. But then he's over there drinking with that old prophet. We know who he is. He hadn't heard from God in years because he's one of us. And so now his whole reputation and the word of God has been mocked by eating lunch. Because one little sin, and it's over, right? Oh man, we can we can preach God, and we can go to church. We can have revival. We can do some Jericho marches. We can slay in the spirit, and then somebody at work sees us cussing somebody else out. Oh, that just all your whole story of revival just went out the window, because you've just made a mockery of God because of one little thing. One little, sin. oh, it's just one little word. or was one little attitude. I was just a little mad. I was just upset. Well, you just got through talking about revival, and then you just kind of ticked off your whole coworkers because you had a little scat. It's all out the window, right? Because we just talked about joy, Lord, is my strength. God's my Redeemer. And then there it goes. He validated that ministry of that old prophet also because he, a man of God, compromise for fellowship with him. He validated a man of God or a former man of God who had compromised his life. Think about those Christians who live well for a while, then return to the world. They're worse off than before. Scripture says without holiness we won't see the Lord. We fall short of God's grace. So holiness, the separatism, the, the heart check that is saying, God, my heart is holy yours, he lost it. Number 10, last one. He was judged first. This is the kind of the reality check, and I'm going to close. The king wasn't judged yet. The old prophet wasn't judged yet. The man of God was judged first. The Bible says that judgment comes first to the house of God. That's why we get raptured first. That's how we meet the judgment seat of Christ before the great white throne judgment. But also in this case, why was it we said, God, it was just a simple dinner, he paid the ultimate price for it. Why was that so bad? He was a demonstration of God in his word, and yet the Bible says in a few verses down that he became known as the prophet who disobeyed God. That was his legacy he was doing so great after calling down uh, things from heaven and speaking forth a 300-year-in-advance prophecy and seeing a king's hand withered and healed again and the altar breaking and rejecting all the the, uh, things of man that they tried to give him. And he did so well. And then he had lunch. And he became known as a prophet who disobeyed God. That's the tragedy of the failure to follow through. So many Christians can start off great But will we continue a life of faithfulness? And we say, God, it's not just about the beginning. It's about the end. It's not just about starting with the big bang. But, God, it's getting all the way to the end of my life and saying, God, I have been counted with faithfulness. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I haven't been perfect. But, God, I've been faithful to your word. I think about how often I look at the word of God and I read it and then how seriously I often don't take it. Like you really supposed to turn the other cheek. Always, right? I'm really supposed to love all of my neighbors. I'm really supposed to. And we look at, well, it's just a little, it's just a, I think about this guy, and I look for lions on my way home, you know. Uh, The guy on his way home, a lion kills him, and the donkey's there, and the lion doesn't eat the donkey, and the lion doesn't eat the man, and the lion doesn't eat any of the passerby's. And so that's one thinking something's up with this lion, something wrong with it. But why? It was up to te- it was to tell the world this was the judgment of God. God is still backing up His word, and even if we falter, and and we'll read on. If you read on this story, what happens? But even the old prophet who spoke of the Holy Spirit, even though he was you know, not the greatest guy. he hadn't heard from God. The Holy Spirit began to use him. You know, the Bible says that God used the donkey of Balaam to speak forth the word of God, and God can use the donkey. God can use this old prophet, right, who doesn't hear from God, and he's a liar. didn't matter who says the word of God. If it's the word of God, it's true, and it's always true, right? We even didn't, it didn't matter where it comes from. The word of God is always true, and God redeems this word, and you fast forward of 300 years, Josiah comes in, Tears down the altar, throws, digs up some dead people, throws them on the, the altar. And he comes over to a monument and he asks them, he says, Who is this guy, this monument to? I said, That's the old prophet, the prophet of Judah who prophesied your birth and prophesied what you're going to do. And he said, Don't touch that altar. Don't touch that tomb. Take the other graves and continued on. He preserved that, that tomb I think our question tonight, though, is how do we hear from God in dark days and how do we finish well? And I want us to take a moment to pray about, God, where are we at? Where are we at? Are we a person who is bold enough to cross enemy lines and speak the word of God against the depravity we see in the world today? Do we have the Holy Spirit to a degree that we hear God's voice in the midst of a a day when very few people do? not only to hear it, but are we willing to go and obey it and do some radical things for God, but then also be willing to stay separate and hold the course and be counted as faithful, living a fasted life and judging everything we see by the Word of God. Saying, God, I don't want to just do great things. God, I want to end well. I want to finish well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, let's uh, Let's just all stand together tonight. Let's just take this. make this an atmosphere of prayer and ask God to just begin to move in our hearts and say, God, we just want to respond to your word. God wrote this for a reason, and every generation can interpret it for their day, and I believe God has a meaning for it for us. And uh, I know that some of the, the days we live in aren't, haven't been the worst yet, and, and I think they're going to get worse. I believe God's wanting to raise up a generation of people, Uh, in his church that would say, God, I see the status quo of today. It's just a normal, marginal Christianity where people just go through the motions, and I don't see the power of God demonstrated like I want to, and that's where I'm at. God, I I don't see the power of God demonstrated like I want to, and God, I want to press into that. I want to hear your voice, and maybe that's where where you're at, and you want to begin to pray that today. And maybe there's been simple things in your life that have been going through that have been tripping you up and some compromises, and you say, God, I want to be counted as faithful I don't, want, I don't want one little thing, God, to destroy my reputation as a man or woman of God. And I, whatever the devil's schemes are, Lord, just rebuke them. Give me faith. Let me have the word of God so deep in my heart.